Section 4 of Uncollected Short Stories of L. M. Montgomery. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by D. Randall. Uncollected Short Stories of L. M. Montgomery by Lucy Maud Montgomery. Our Uncle Wheeler. First published in Golden Days for Boys and Girls, January 22, 1898. In reality, he was our great uncle, and we were very much in awe of him. The rare times when he came to visit us, usually popping down unexpectedly at some particularly inconvenient moment, were periods of misery for us lively boys, for Uncle Wheeler was a very precise old gentleman, fidgety when boys were around and with all an old bachelor's decided opinions as to the training and behavior of those unavoidable evils. Consequently, as Rod used to say, we were as unhappy as a cat on hot bricks when Uncle Wheeler came. He had befriended and aided father more than once in troublous times, for he was really kind-hearted at the core, and hence we were instructed to regard him with gratitude and respect. He was always Uncle Willer to us. Our other uncles were Uncle Tom, Dick, or Harry, but we would as soon have thought of calling Uncle Wheeler Uncle James as of saying hello to the minister. Rod and I were the oldest of our family, being 15 and 14 respectively. We were hardy, growing boys and found it very hard to tone down during Uncle Wheeler's sojourn. Nevertheless, we tried our best, for we really liked the old man in spite of our fear of him. When it was decided that Rod should go to college if it could be managed, Uncle Wheeler wrote to father and mother a letter in which he denounced the project as absurd nonsense and railed at it for three pages. On the fourth, he announced his intention of paying Rod's way through college if he were really bent upon going and hoped he wouldn't disgrace the family. Rod was jubilant, but it behooved him to be very careful for Uncle Wheeler was extremely touchy and sometimes got offended at very trifling things. Therefore, we made up our minds to be more than usually sedate and proper on the occasion of his next visit. About two months after this letter, Rod and I received an invitation to a party at the house of one of our schoolmates. During the afternoon, Sidney Hatfield, a cousin of ours, arrived and decided to stay overnight as he was going to Tracy's, too. Mother intended to put him in the spare room to sleep, but about dusk a cutter drove up to the door, and in it were the three Winslow boys from Bracebridge, who came in and said they were also bound for the party and would afterwards remain with us until the next day. We were a big family, all told, so that Mother said to us just before we left, I think, boys, you better take Sidney up to your room tonight and let the Winslow boys have the spare room. We can accommodate you all if you won't mind a little crowding. Lou Winslow said uninvited guests ought to be thankful to be taken in at all, and for his part he thought it jolly to sleep three in a bed, if it was a big one, and we all drove off to the party in high spirits. It was late when we returned, and of course everybody was in bed. Mother had left a light burning for us, and we tiptoed in cautiously so as not to disturb the sleepers. While we were putting away our coats, 
I noticed Rod and Dave Winslow talking earnestly, and when I went out to lock the back porch door, Rod followed me. Say, Art, Dave's nervous. He's afraid of the ghosts and doesn't want to sleep in the spare room. Of course he's a ninny, but arguing won't do any good. What's to be done? Dave Winslow was a delicate boy of nearly 15, and we always regarded him as babyish. He was extremely sensitive, and his nervous whims had to be indulged. I don't know how he got wind of our ghost, but he had. I may here remark that our spare room had the reputation of being haunted during the sojourn of the family who had preceded us. None of us had ever seen or heard anything worse than ourselves in it, and never felt in the least disturbed. We had good, healthy nerves and didn't worry about spooks. But I knew Dave couldn't help his terror. So, feeling sorry, I said, Well, the three Winslows had better go upstairs to our room, and you and Sid and I will take the spare room. We're equal to any ghosts who may be on the hunting trail tonight. This arrangement suited all hands, so we showed the Winslows upstairs and separated. Our house was an old-fashioned one, and the spare room opened off the end of the parlor. The parlor was a long, narrow room, and the bedroom was also long and narrow, so that from the parlor door to the extreme end of the bedroom, where the bed was, was quite a distance. Sid, Rod, and I went into the parlor and found it deliciously warm, as there had been a fire in the stove. We supposed Mother had lit it to warm the spare room for the Winslows, and we thought it rather a good joke that Dave's ghostly terrors should have put him out of a warm sleeping room. We undressed by the fire quietly enough, for we were tired. But when we were ready for bed, Sid, who was always up to mischief, had a brilliant idea. Say, you chaps, let's start from the hall door and see which will get into bed first. Rod and I thought it would be good fun, so we didn't make a noise. So, having taken a vow of silence, we put out the candle, for the moonlight was streaming in at the windows, ranged ourselves by the hall door, and Sid gave the word, Go! The bedroom door was open, so we flew down the parlor, shot through the door in the spare room, and the whole three of us, with one spring, bounded on the bed at the same instant. There was one awful moment in which we realized what had happened, and then a wheezy, sleepy, well-known voice puffed out, why, bless my soul, what's the matter? It was Uncle Wheeler. We had jumped upon that bed pretty quick, but we jumped off three times quicker, dashed out of the room, and scuttled through the parlor, never stopping for breath until we reached the kitchen. Rod and I wished the floor would open and quietly let us into the cellar. Sid, being a stranger, of course, didn't appreciate the situation so keenly. Say, you chaps, that old duffer must have got his breath most lambed out of him. Who is it? Uncle Wheeler, groaned Rod, and oh, what will he say? However did he come to be there, and why didn't Mother leave some way for us to know? Just then we heard a gasp and sigh, and a sort of groan in the little breakfast room off the kitchen. We all jumped. Great Scott, is that one of Dave Winslow's ghosts? exclaimed Sid. But I had got a lamp lit, and by its light we saw our 11-year-old brother Tad come shuffling out of the breakfast room, rubbing his eyes. 
Say, you fellows, have you got back? Mother told me to sit up and tell you, tell us what? That Uncle Willard come, and she put him in the spare room, and that the Winslow boys must have your room, and you chaps would have to sleep in the kitchen loft. I meant to keep awake, honest, I did, but I got so tired. I went in there and lay down on the lounge. I guess I went to sleep. I guess you did, growled Rod. You've done for us now. And after each of us had rated the still, stupid, and half-asleep Tad soundly, by way of venting our ill humor, we crept off shiveringly to the kitchen loft. We were too tired and cold and cross to talk it over then. But by dawn, Rod and I were sitting up in bed, discussing our mishap in whispers so as not to awaken Sid. Nothing worse could have happened, lamented Rod. Uncle Willer will be piping mad. You could hardly blame him, I suppose. What a rousing scare he must have got. But he won't listen to any excuse, and not a blessed cent need I expect for college if he finds out. Some men would just look on it as a joke. But Uncle Wheeler isn't that sort. After forlornly admitting that we got into a scrape beyond doubt, we got up, put on some old clothes, and went down to sneak Sid's suit out of the parlor for him. For needless to say, we hadn't stopped to get our clothes in our stampede of the night before. On our way through the hall, we met the Winslow boys tiptoeing downstairs, much to our surprise, for it was barely daylight. What's the rush? asked Rod, with an attempt at hilarity. Been seeing any ghosts today? It's beginning to rain, announced Lou, and it's setting in for a big thaw. So we decided to get up, rouse you out if we could and start just as soon as possible. You know, it's a long drive home, and a wretched road at the best of times. It'll hardly be passable in a thaw. They passed on out to the stables. Rod and I looked at each other, both struck by the same idea. Nobody else will be stirring for an hour yet, said Rod, voicing my thoughts rather shamefacedly. We'll light a fire and get some grub for the boys, and they'll be gone before Mother or Uncle Wheeler come on the scene. They were supposed to be going to the spare room, and if we just hold our tongues and get Sid to do the same, Uncle Wheeler will think it was the Winslows. But Tad, Tad didn't appear till too late, so that won't give us away. And he was half asleep, and I'll bet a cent he'll never remember how many of us were there or that we hadn't our clothes on. It hardly seems fair, though, to put it on the Winslows. That won't hurt. They're nothing to Uncle Wheeler, and he doesn't even know them, so it won't do them any harm, while it will do us a whole heaps. We talked it over and decided to go ahead. I left Rod to light the fire while I went up, wakened Sid, explained the whole affair, and easily got him to promise silence. We're not going to tell any fibs, of course, I said virtuously. If anybody asks us who it was, we'll have to tell straight out. But not likely anyone will, and we'll just keep quiet. See? Sid thought it a good joke and agreed to keep mum. The Winslows came in. Rod and I got them a cold breakfast, and they started off. Just as they drove away, Mother came out at the hall door, and Uncle Wheeler, in dressing gown and slippers, emerged from the sitting room. He just looked as grumpy as Uncle Wheeler could look, and that is saying a good deal. Mother didn't see him at first, 
and merely asked us why we were up so early and where the Winslow boys were. We explained, and then Mother saw Uncle Wheeler and said she hoped he slept well and found his pillows high enough for him. Slept well, growled Uncle Wheeler. I wonder if you or anyone else, Amelia Jane Miller, could sleep well. If just when you had dropped off to sleep after a long and arduous journey, you were suddenly awakened by half a dozen great lumbering louts of boys coming down on you like an avalanche in the dead of night. I ask you how anybody could sleep well under such circumstances, madam. And Uncle Wheeler glanced at us boys as if he knew we were the guilty ones. Mother was greatly distressed. Oh, dear me, the Winslow boys went in after all. Didn't Tad tell you that Uncle was there? Tad went to sleep, said Rob, promptly nudging me with his elbow for fear I'd put in a word too many and complicate matters, and didn't wake up till too late. When he appeared, the mischief was done. You might have known he couldn't keep awake, Mother. There was no one else to leave, replied Mother, and I warned him not to go to sleep. I'm very sorry this should have happened, Uncle Wheeler. Uncle Wheeler barely answered. The Winslow boys had gone, so he couldn't come down on them, and he had no excuse for blaming anyone except Tad, who kept religiously out of the way that morning so he felt defrauded of his rights. He was as snappish and crusty as he could be all through breakfast and kept making remarks about boys being out late at night and gadding about to parties and coming home to disturb respectable folks at unseemly hours. He was never guilty of it in his young days, and he felt very sorry to see that his nephews were. And as for those three fools that had wakened him up, he'd like to teach a lesson to boys who hadn't enough sense to get into bed properly but must race in terror like a pack of wild cubs. There was no doubt that Uncle Wheeler was in a fearful humor, and Rod and I realized that we had had a narrow escape. Sid Hatfield, having no particular interest at stake, enjoyed the whole performance immensely and afterwards remarked in the seclusion of the kitchen loft, it's a jolly good thing for you chaps that your respected uncle doesn't know that it was you who disturbed his peaceful slumbers. He doesn't seem particularly amiable this morning. But for all our success, I really didn't feel comfortable, and Rod looked awfully glum. Pretty soon he came out with it. I feel like an out-and-out -out sneak, Art, he confessed. I never did anything like this before, and I never will again. We've deceived Mother and Uncle Wheeler, and all I wish is that we hadn't. Same here, Rod, I said heartily, for Rod had just put my own disquieting reflections into words. Sid stared at us. You're a pair of geese. I think it's all a capital joke. Why, you didn't say a thing. Never even stretched the truth itself. And it can't hurt the Winslow boys one single mite. That isn't the question, replied Rod. It's what we've done. I feel kind of dishonorable, but I suppose there's nothing more to be said now. Still, we did feel mean. Uncle Wheeler got over his ill humor by next day and was as good as gold. Everything went well for a week outwardly, but Rod went about kind of grim and sulky, and as for me, I felt somehow or other that I was a pretty mean, sneaking sort of chap. Rod and I had both been brought up to be strictly truthful and above board in everything, and we felt that we had come short of Mother's standard. 
It wasn't that our evasion was going to harm anyone else, but we had simply lost our self-respect. Sid had gone home, so we hadn't him to bolster up our consciences, and we got regularly blue and moody. One night, Uncle Wheeler had another cranky fit on. The wind was northeast, and his rheumatism was always bad in a northeast wind. Finally, he remarked to Mother, I had a letter today from Henry Winslow, the father of those rascals. He wants me to accommodate him with a loan for a short time. I shan't. I've worked hard for my money, and I'm not going to risk it in doubtful loans, not if he is honest and hard up. I don't propose to help a man that can't bring his boys up better than he's done. And Uncle Wheeler poked the fire viciously. The memory of the towsing up he got that unlucky night was still vividly present with him. Rod and I went softly out, leaving Mother trying to intercede for Henry Renslow with no very good success and went to our favorite roost in the kitchen loft. Here's a mess, said Rod. A bad one, said I. What's to be done? Done. Make a clean breast of it to Uncle Wheeler, of course. It'll ruin my chances with him but I'm not going to have other people suffer for what isn't their fault. If we'd only told him at first, I said mournfully, but even if he could forgive us for jumping over him, he never will for bluffing him about it. He'll think we were just fooling him for pure fun. It's a blue show, said Rod gloomily, but we deserve it. So I'm not going to flinch. After all, I don't know that I'm sorry we have to. I felt like a regular sneak this week. Uncle Wheeler will be a furry, of course, but I think worse of how Mother will feel. She hates any crawly business. We made up our minds to beard the lion in his den as soon as possible. The afternoon of the next day, we screwed up our courage and marched straight into the parlor where Uncle Wheeler was writing letters before the table. He shoved up his specs and looked at us sourly. What do you youngsters want? he demanded gruffly. We both knew by experience that it doesn't do to beat about the bush with Uncle Wheeler. You have to come straight to the point and say what you've got to say. Rod took a header right in. We've come, Uncle Wheeler, to tell you what we should have told you before. It wasn't the Winslow boys who woke you up the other night. It was Sid Hetfield and Art and I. Then we waited for the outburst. Uncle Wheeler gazed at us over his specs quite calmly. We knew he had a dozen different ways of getting mad, and this might be one, but if so, it was brand new. It was you, was it? He said at last. You young scamps, and you've the face to come and tell me so. And why did you say it was the other boys? Please, sir, we didn't, I ventured to say. Mother just thought it was, because she had told them to go there. But Dave was scared of the ghosts, so we changed rooms. Sid wanted us to race and see who'd get into bed first, that's all. We didn't know anybody was there, and we are awfully sorry. We were kind of scared, too, so we thought it wouldn't be any harm to let you all think it was the Winslows. But it wasn't right, and we felt mean ever since. Uncle Wheeler glared quite fiercely. What do you think you deserve, he asked and Rod spoke up manfully. Uncle Wheeler, we deserve a sound scolding for deceiving you, and we will get it when Mother finds out. But as for the rest, 
It was only in fun, and I don't think anyone ought to regard it as a serious crime. Although it was very silly of us, most people would merely look upon it as a joke. Oh, they would, would they? said Uncle Grimly. Perhaps when you get to be my age, young man, and don't find it so easy to get to sleep as you do now, you won't consider it much of a joke to have three great boys come sprawling over you in your first doze. We're sorry we disturbed you, Uncle, said Rod firmly but respectfully, and we apologize for not owning it up right off like men. That's all we can do, and I hope you'll forgive us. Hmm. Go out and tell your mother I want her. That was all the satisfaction we got, but we went gladly, for we had escaped wonderfully well. Mother went in and was closeted with Uncle Riller for half an hour. When she came out, she looked amused over something, and though she tried to be severe, it was a failure. You deserve a scolding, boys, but I promised your uncle I'd let you off this time. He really seems in a good humor over it all, but I wouldn't advise you to repeat the experiment. What's he going to do about Mr. Winslow? broke in Rod anxiously. He's going to help him, I think, since he found out the boys are not such louts as he thought them. Rod and I felt a good deal better then, you may be sure. Uncle Wheeler went home the next day, but he parted from us kindly, told Rod to be ready for college in the fall, and to remember Mother's training and straightforwardness, and finally left an envelope in our respective hands. We found a $20 bill in each of them. Hooray for Uncle Wheeler, said Rod. He's a brick. End of section four.